0: Welcome, I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. We're Need In Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry, with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 210, recorded on November the 8th, 2022. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needyupintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. Haney is at a <laughs> beach. Yeah. She sent... It- an infuriating picture of a wonderful beach. <laughs> I am not entirely sure that she will be allowed back. She's in Los Angeles.
1: Hmm. I think she deserves it. Oh,
0: you're, you're gonna draw
1: jealous? Yeah, of yeah. course, I am.
0: Yeah. Los Angeles in in yeah. November. I'd much rather be there.
1: Yeah, I. I Orlando next week, so.
0: Oh, you're not coming back either, are you? Nice. So <laughs> apparently, this podcast is just going to be me. Well, that sounds—that's pretty awesome, actually. Exactly. Cool stuff. And you, of course, you—you you remember to renew your ESTA.
1: I, it, I It's the second time I go to the U.S. now, so absolutely. Ah, good stuff. Yep. So uh, updated with new COVID passport, new. Uh, thing to sign up that I don't lie about my COVID passport and my ESTA. So I'm done.
0: You're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. So how long are you going to be over now?
1: Four days in Orlando. So I leave on Sunday get home on Friday I think next week for Tech Mentor. But we'll get into that. Ah, right. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so there have been some, some news. I'll, I'll just jump straight into the news. And yep. surprisingly-ish, there is not much Power BI news right now. But there have been a number of uh, news from, from Synapse. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to talk about is it's not so much a news item as a um, a discussion, if you will about something called the data mesh. We've covered data mesh, um, not necessarily in detail, but we've covered data mesh as a concept. And very quickly, it's about um, looking at data in a bit of a new way, essentially looking at data as, as products and giving a responsibility for these products and, and these the, the ownership of these uh, products to specific organizational units. Mm-hmm. And, The idea is amazing. It's it's a it's a complete no brainer when you look at it. The only issue is that I've yet to see it actually work, Um, (laughs) because it's like DevOps. It's the solution to every problem, but actually implementing DevOps may not necessarily be that easy. Mm -hmm. So this is taking like DevOps and DevOps to a whole different uh, level, but. What this is, it's called Data Mesh, a perspective on using Azure Synapse Analytics to build the data products. It's a walkthrough and a discussion about data mesh as a concept and how you map that to specific Synapse tooling, which is really, really interesting. Not only do you get to learn about data mesh as a concept, but you also learn what to use and where to use it. why you want to use a specific part of of Synapse for specific uh, solutions inside of Mm -hmm. a data mesh. So uh, really interesting. It was uh, published on the uh, Synapse Analytics blog on November the 3rd. Uh, We're going to link it in the the show notes to definitely go check that out.
1: I think that that's a good thing that they do those kind of blog posts where they explain the concept and how to apply it with technologies. It's a bit like the scenarios we we talked about with Gregor Sati uh, a while back. Like this is a good way of explaining a concept mapped to technology, and probably learn a lot about the the actual why you would use this as well.
0: I definitely agree. It's it's very re- very well written, uh, very <laughs> well written, uh, and yeah, I, I um, it it really drew me in. Mm-hmm. I know a fair bit about data mesh as a concept, but this really. Added to some of the the all well, the bits and pieces that I didn't have mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, keeping on the Synapse Analytics track, so the October update was published on the thirty first of October, mm-hmm. so fairly fairly new, and it's not that much. But the big thing is, and this was also covered on on Ignite, is that the R language is now supported in mm-hmm. Apache Spark. And this, this is a huge thing. Um, anybody who's started working with um, Synapse as a specifically data scientist came into Synapse realizing, well, holy crap, my favorite language, the language, if you will, <laughs> just wasn't supported. It was an enormous, in my view, oversight. It's now been rectified or it's in in uh, in preview. So go forth and, and um, bang your head against the uh, wall that is R.
1: Are those people happy now?
0: They are. They are (laughs) very happy.
1: Are you done with this news item?
0: Yeah, I guess I am. Then it's time to dive into Power BI. So previously you were able to save a copy of a report. If you had created Mm -hmm. an organizational uh, content pack and you had a report, you could create a copy of that report and Mm -hmm. customize to your heart's content. Mm -hmm. That went away with the advent of Power BI apps. just wasn't possible. So in order to do that, you essentially needed access to the data set and then recreate the entire report. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Not Mm -hmm. necessarily... That difficult, but meh, it's it's tedious. Now yep. it is possible to save a copy if you have the, the the required privileges. You can save a copy of the report into your own my workspace. All the way up until my workspace. I think this was a fantastic <laughs> idea, <laughs> but my workspace. To paraphrase, tempDB in SQL Server is the public toilet (laughs) of SQL Server. That's pretty much the way I I see my workspace in Power BI because Mm -hmm. it will inevitably be this quagmire of crap artifacts that you really, really should not share from, but you still end up sharing stuff from there. And I, I really don't see why they did it this way because this is driving people towards something that we dearly would like to just avoid. So the functionality is good, the implementation, let's just say that we could ask for a bit of work.
1: But isn't this the same thing? And now, please correct me if I'm completely off here. When you save something to my workspace, isn't that the equivalent of saving something to your OneDrive
0: in a way? In a way, you you can definitely say that it's it's a private OneDrive, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you get the report, an official report, and you save a copy of it because you want to do some changes to it in your own workspace because you don't want to mess up the the final report and you don't want to have two identical reports. Mm -hmm. So you might save it to your your My Workspace, stupid name, uh, and do your things with it so far, and so then good. I, and then I guess the intention, which will never ever happen, would be to send it back and say, hey, here's my report. Do you want to use that instead? But that will never happen. It will be staying in my workspace, but it will be separated from the official ones.
0: And and it, as long as it stays in my workspace, I'm happy. It's just the a sharing ish, from yes, the, my workspace. The issue comes when somebody decides to share that report from. My workspace, because this will drive a serious issue if that mm-hmm. user were to quit or similar.
1: Yeah, wouldn't you? Shouldn't you be able to control that using either permissions or classifications of the report?
0: You can decide if you want to allow an app to to give you the the opportunity to copy a, a well create a copy. You can, you can specify that. And not only do you need that to be set for the app, you also need the specific build privileges on the dataset to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, but then, then you have your copy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you be able to pass that copy on with a classification saying that allowed to edit but not allowed to share? Or could no. you block sharing from my workspace?
0: No. That is one of the biggest drawbacks. You can't, and that's why we sit in this terrible place. If you were able to just, mm. from an organizational standpoint, said you cannot share squat from my web, web my space, um, <laughs> MySpace, MySpace, <laughs> Power BI MySpace. Wow.
1: Oh, is it is it Yahoo that owns MySpace, or who owns MySpace?
0: I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I need to look this up. Okay, yeah. But I, I, I'm i with you, and it sounds like a very odd thing that from a OneDrive, we can limit how you're able to share things. Yep. Um, but I guess this is democratizing data.
0: In, in many ways, it is. Um, you're mm-hmm. definitely hitting the nail on the head with that statement. And mm-hmm. I, I, I totally see the two sides of this coin. Uh, mm-hmm. But I still, from a pro governance side of things, mm-hmm. I would have loved to. So I would have loved to be able to control sharing. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what it comes down to. Everything up to that is fine.
1: Um, so, but we we should get there at some point. Like all the things you can do with Teams now and OneDrive. We like,
0: I don't doubt it. And and that that's the thing. I really don't doubt it. Uh, because. I was about to say, I've seen the future. It's it's a wonderful place. <laughs> um, I haven't, by the way. Uh, but the the bits and pieces that I've, I've seen and, and cobbled together from talking to people, it is a wonderfully bright future. Mm-hmm. So many awesome things coming down the pipe, and this is probably going to be sorted in, well, shorter time than we expect. And this kind of drives me to the next and, and final Power BI uh, thing, which is that there are improvements to chart sharing and copy as image. Microsoft found that a lot of people used Teams to share um, bits and pieces of a, of a Power BI report. And the main issue was to, well, I could share a re- report with you through Teams, mm-hmm. but I would have to talk you through how to look at the exact same numbers that I was looking at. Mm-hmm but now you can do your filters. You can, you can click, click, click to exactly the visual you want to look at, right-click and create a copy link that will take you to the portal with all the filters applied. And that Brilliant. visual in, 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 uh, yeah. in standout mode. Mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called right now. Um, so that is really, mm-hmm. really, really useful. Uh, Spotlight—that's what it's called—a spotlight mode. So, yeah, very, very useful. And you can also do a still, create a visual as a, a picture, mm-hmm. uh, and then shoot that off to wherever you want to mm-hmm. toss it. So, cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Great. The, I mean, this doesn't sound like much,
1: but I, I, I'm sorry. I if, if if everyone could see me, you would. I'm. S- jumping up and down in my tiny share now i understand it's fantastic i love it
0: you probably more than most because you you have a better insight into how people actually interact and how actually use Mm -hmm. stuff like teams uh for instance coming from a data background i i'm amazed that i didn't think of this because again this this is a no-brainer for someone who's working Mm -hmm. with a collaboration and data people just go well huh? And then you explain things to them and they go, oh. So we're kind yeah. of slow on the uptake.
1: Yeah. I'm a consumer. You're a creator. You don't really like...
0: No, I I, uh, I tend to see myself as a blocker, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> a data blocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, uh, yeah, never mind. We'll take that another time. Yeah, but I do think that, like, isn't this like, going back to to when we first met. You were the data blocker, the grumpy person in the corner. What makes you stand out from the crowd now is that you understand that if you share what you create with the minions, which is me that wants to consume your data, you are now the hero. So isn't that a good takeaway from that? Like if data people, would be able to share the fantastic things you do with the lesser knowledgeable persons that are me and many others. You would actually see the value in the the uh, craftsmanship that you do.
0: This was just too good to have a comment on. So
1: <laughs>
0: no, but you're you're, you're definitely right. And yep. I mean, th- this is the kind of of mistake, if you will, that a lot of of tech-heavy people do, be it networking, be it data people, be it developers, we tend to not think about what's happening downstream. Mm. That's why I think Power BI is such a wonderful tool because it requires you to think both uh, upstream and, and downstream. Mm. And and trust you me, shit flows both ways in Power yeah. BI if you mess things up.
1: It, it's like, I would say, Power BI, now, now you will like this one. Power BI and some other very powerful tools are like a very fine watch. Like it takes so long time and so much craftsmanship. You need to understand the entire watch to be able to make it work. And then when it's done, you hide all of that beneath a a regular like dial and everything. And you, you hand it over to someone that, will enjoy knowing the time and enjoying wearing that on the wrist, but you don't see everything below it.
0: That's actually a great analogy. I I will steal it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, more than welcome to. Um, And we actually spoke about that. I did a seminar today about Zero Trust from buzzword to reality. I kind of like that. Um, And uh, I got a lot of feedback on that session that techies liked it. Not because it was a technology session, but they saw the value in the knowledge they had and how they can be part of the zero trust journey. And then we had a lot of other people that were less technical, that were now finally I understand zero trust. Thank you.
0: And well done. Like that,
1: yeah, and that—that's my job. Like I have no purpose other than helping others understanding what my colleagues do. So I, I think. Again, we need to focus on that. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, we we keep coming back to that. Mm-hmm. For sure. So yeah. why uh, why should we <laughs> talk about Intune?
1: Yeah, because it's the coolest product ever, and it's now called Intune again. Just as NetScaler is now called NetScaler again, which is fantastic. Like, yeah. So if not?
0: we just double down for a couple of years, we're going to get all the cool names back.
1: Yeah, then we get MySpace back.
0: Right. Can we get Silverlight back as well?
1: Oh, yeah. We, we'll talk about old things that we might get back later on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just too funny today. So, what's new in Intune? Well, uh, the week of October 24th, we had a couple of new really cool news items. One thing, if you are an organization that limits what services can speak in and out of your firewalls or proxies, you now have to add new network endpoints for Microsoft Intune because uh, it's uh, Microsoft has added Azure scale units to the architecture. So if you need to go URL by URL to add that, ensure to update uh, your network endpoints to keep Intune working. We also have a new protected app, Mural. Have you used Mural? at any point, a whiteboard app?
0: I tried to. Uh, We did Mm. not get along.
1: No. Uh, uh, Do you remember when I worked quite a lot with Surface Hub? Yep. And I had Mural and Stormboard, and -hmm. it was quite obvious which group of people that it appealed to each of these apps. I was way more a Stormboard person structure, and Mural is a very creative app. So it's a fantastic app, and I have a lot of uh, friends that use it and love it. That's it's now a protected app within Intune. So if you use it on iOS or Android or iPad OS, uh, you can now protect that with our protection policies. Great addition. We also have new settings for iOS and iPad OS as well as Mac OS, uh, and especially for Mac OS, it's two things to note: rapid security response, which is basically like. Um, expedited updates uh, in uh, Intune for Windows. So whenever Apple finds a vulnerability that they need to fix quicker than what they usually release updates, you can now allow them to install updates, basically serial updates, on your macOS machine. Uh, And you can now control that ability from Microsoft Intune. Control that that, ability how? Yeah, sorry. Uh, If you want it to be turned on, or if you want to turn it off,
0: so ah, be- are because you allowing? It, it, um, let me see if I remember this correctly. I used to have a Mac, and one of the things that I really loved was the updates that came, in my view, more regularly than the Windows updates, and mm-hmm. it was a smoother experience. But I, I'm I'm thinking that you can control the behavior of this, so allow or not allow these kind of of zero-day updates. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're?
1: Okay. Yes, exactly. Why uh, do you want to disable it? If you want to control exactly how your Macs look, if you want to have a complete control of how, how they look, just as we have done with Windows patches for ages. Like, if you want a known state and 100% control what's installed at any given point in time, you might not want this to happen. Mm. Uh, and we also now have the ability to manage Mac OS updates on macOS with Microsoft Intune, which was previously not there in a detailed level, which is kind of odd. But do remember that managing updates in macOS at all is a relatively new feature because Apple have always had the the view of updates. Our users, like Mac users, are good at updating. But now when we get more and more Macs, it's starting to also put pressure on network. Uh, and that control layer and especially when you do uh, upgrades to new versions of macOS, it's not as compatible as when you do Windows feature upgrades it's a bigger difference between uh, Monterey and uh, Ventura than it is between even Windows 10 and Windows 11 to be honest so now you need that ability, Uh, so it's a welcome addition now Speaking about additions, previously we have been able to manage Windows phones, iOS, iPadOS, Android. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. whoa. Hold, hold it there. Windows phones? Of course. It's 2022,
1: not I 2012. I have my box. I, I will actually un- unbox my HP X3 like next week or no, no, in Orlando, but soon and get it up and running again. Um, Never mind. We have had that ability in Microsoft Intune. Now, over the last weeks, we have two new operating systems we can now manage, which was released during Microsoft Ignite, Linux, so Ubuntu, and added on October, the week of October 24th, Chrome OS. So we now have the ability to use Microsoft Intune to manage our Chromebooks, our Linux devices, Mac OS, Windows, iPad OS, iOS, Android, everything. And this is just a start.
0: Did that mean that Microsoft just took a pretty big chunk out of competitors?
1: Not certain, because AirWatch have been able to manage Chrome OS for a very, very long time already, or Workspace right. ONE, or whatever it's called. Um, I I personally think that, uh, and, and it's relatively limited in the way you can manage Chrome OS. I don't oh. think Google will release the full capabilities because they want to manage that themselves. But I do think that this is primarily for compliance, as an example, just as oh. with Mac OS oh, with Jamf.
0: Kind of tick-in-the-box thing. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. We we want to have the same uh, identity protection and, and access management on all of our devices, especially yeah. if you look at Swedish municipalities. They want to use the same Azure AD, as an example, to yeah, protect everything. Sounds. And that if you sense. don't have a Chrome OS device, you, you want to ensure that that's safe. Sure. And if you have support for Ubuntu, it's relatively easy to down the line add support for other Linux distros as well. So I think mm-hmm. this is fantastic. Linux is something I've been waiting for a long time. I, I'm i not a big fan of Chrome OS. I know that a lot of people like it, and I now need to get myself a Chromebook, but I, I've never been a fan of it. But Linux on the other hand is something that is very popular, or the, it's increasingly popular, and I think we will only see more and more of that. So That's an addition I really like. Speaking about Mac OS in uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, we now have support for Teams background effects on Mac OS running AVD. uh, Because this is part of how you manage the video stream from your devices. So up until now, you haven't been able to use the background effects if you run AVD on Mac OS. But now that feature is in general availability. We also have universal print for AVD in uh, general availability, basically a very blunt follow-me print anywhere cloud printing solution uh, that Microsoft provides. It, it works for some purposes, uh, and now that's in GA for AVD. And we also have a new FS logics, so the profile management of AVD and, and other EUC solutions, uh, and user computing, that is. Uh, in public preview, where one of the new features is disk, compactation, compaction, disk compaction, very odd word, basically it will shrink your profile disks when you sign out. This has previously been a huge issue solved with uh, community tools, where logic's profile disks have exploded in size, and now that should be fixed with this new feature, so it will remain as small as they possibly can be. And we will keep on with all of these odd operating systems. Uh, because during Ignite, I think it were, Microsoft introduced the ability to use certificate-based authentication on for Azure AD on iOS and Android. And now Swedish Yubico, who man- or manufactures the YubiKey, is the one, the first and the only vendor of FIDO2 tokens to be certified for this technology. So you can now use with lighting or USB-C ports your YubiKey with your Android or iOS phone to authenticate to Azure AD NFC will be added along the line but I think this is fantastic that now you can actually use one key and physical MFA with your uh, mobile devices.
0: For sure. Really interesting. Could I have a, a request? Oh, Just like you want me to talk about the different database engines, mm-hmm. uh, I would love to have a walkthrough of, of a, well, not necessarily just YubiKey, but FIDO and how to actually apply FIDO to a normal day workflow. That would be amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Absolutely. I, I and I, I, I have do. a
0: good authority that you're the security guy now. So,
1: <laughs> Well... I was just about to say, this would have been a perfect thing for Tony to talk about. Yes. Uh, but I'm the stand-in Finn, I guess, uh-huh. for now. Um, so, yeah. One last thing, which isn't really a news item as such, uh, but I wanted to, to uh, hear your thoughts on this. Uh, we have just heard of Joe Belfiori will be retiring from Microsoft after 32 years. He was the the first leader of uh, the Windows Insider program, someone I, I really look up to. Uh, he's been fantastic all the way and he's a very... He, he, he is, to me, an IT artist. I think he's done a fantastic job in, in building that community. He's retiring from Microsoft. Christian Riley leaves Citrix, the CTO of Citrix, and he has been back and forth for a while, but he is, to me, also a very strong supporter of what Citrix have been and now with the acquisition for some reason he's leaving Mario Foley leaves CDNet and also Windows Weekly so to you does this matter when big names leave companies just like Jeffrey Snower as an example uh, or uh, other big names that have left
0: so that that's a great question, and um, just look at what what's happening uh, at Twitter, mm-hmm. the the utter incomplete disaster that <laughs> Elon Musk is unleashing on Twitter. Will this have an effect in the long run? Uh, maybe Twitter will. Um, I mean, probably, but these big names leaving or, or shifting allegiances. No, I don't think. It's going to leave a lasting mark. One chapter closes and another begins. Mm. And for me, I don't have a personal relationship to these names. Mm. Um, Will I think about it? Yes. Will there be shifting niches and and shifting opportunities for for others? Definitely. But for me, no, I don't think it's going to change that much. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and no, I think this might be a a difference between you and me, Alexander, as well. I want to make a mark on an organization. Like that that's why I go up and work every day. I want to make a difference. And I know that you want that as well, but I don't think it's as core to your person as it is to me. Mm. I'm very personal to my work in a different way than you are. Mm. I think we can agree on that.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. And and yeah. that would be an interesting discussion as well yeah. down the line.
1: Yeah. Uh, so to me, it's, it's more, I look up to these people and I see what difference they have made in my way of looking at the companies they have represented. And if they haven't had an impact, that will be lasting. That makes me somewhat sad because okay how small do a company need to be so that i can have an impact on it or how big do i need to be to have an impact on a big company i think the the only like i think a perfect example of someone that have been able to make an impact is satya nadella like his heritage will live on for a very long time i guess in microsoft
0: um, i would argue that this is a bit of a case of the moving goalpost mm mm-hmm. Take Mary Jo Foley, for instance. I have not listened to um, Windows Weekly that much. Nope. I know the name. I mean, she is synonymous with so much. She's done. She's done so much over the years, and that will never change. That's not going to go away overnight just because she retires nope. or, or leaves ZDNet. It 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 really doesn't matter. She's made her mark, and that mm-hmm. mark that she's made will never. Uh, go away it'll fade sure but it will never go away and it's it's about what you compare it to if you compare everything to Satya Nadella well nobody really made anything (laughs) Uh, if you compare everything to Simon Binder well everybody has done something more (laughs) thank you so just putting things into perspective so I'm I'm, I'm thinking it's it's more of a a goalpost thingy and Hmm. instead of Comparing first, you need to mm-hmm. think about what you should compare it to and what, mm-hmm. essentially what impact means. I'm going to challenge you and say, you don't know when you walk up in the morning and walk up or wake up in the morning, how you define making a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you have this innate drive that you want to make a difference, mm-hmm. uh, which is common in uh, for people in, in your age, and we're not going to go yep. into that discussion, <laughs> but it, it's 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 a defining feature yep. of, of mm-hmm. your generation. Yeah. Yep. But what does it mean to make an impact? Mm-hmm. A lot of people run around chasing their tail, trying to make an impact without stopping and thinking, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that's the sad part for me, because so yep. many amazing people are essentially driving themselves into the ground, chasing something that they can never catch. This became very deep.
1: Yeah, well done. So now we'll get it, it back into something which I'm also very passionate about. It's time for my focus segment, and we are back. We will be talking about patch management and Windows as a service, because things have changed. Not just now, but things have changed over the last couple of years. And obviously I have had no impact whatsoever on the thinking that Microsoft have had with this. Um, You heard
0: it here first, Simon has had no hands in this.
1: (laughs) Uh, But backtracking this to where it all started, like back in, in the beginning of Windows 10, where we were supposed to upgrade Windows every 18 months. And we were to have two releases of Windows 10 every, or even three at the beginning. A lot have changed. And uh, I uh, sadly, I'd actually got this <clears throat> question at the Citrix User Group a couple of weeks ago. So now after COVID, will we continue with this uh, rapid change? And I was like, no beeping way. <laughs> we are <laughs> we are humans. We will go back to being exactly as we were. And it's up to the people and persons that actually want to change to keep this drive for as long as we possibly can. I think this is the exact same thing. Organizations did never want to change, even if they could. A few of them have, but not enough. So today it's much simpler. For Windows, we basically have two or kind of three different Windows servicing channels. We still have the Windows Insider program. That's fantastic. If you aren't part of it, sign up. You, you still make an impact uh, being in there and having we your will...
0: machine rebooting in, in opportune <laughs> times.
1: That's your generation. <laughs> we also have the long term servicing channel, which we'll get back to soon. You know, That's my generation. That. Yeah, <laughs> long term servicing channel. <laughs> and we also have the general availability channel
0: not the geriatric
1: one no that, that that's probably our parents generation yeah uh, funny thing uh, when i scheduled uh, my trips through our travel agency uh, today my my recommended rate were a hotel rate plus 60 so i don't know what, what, how how people see me. Never mind. general availability, that's where most organizations will be. thing to note to properly service the general availability channel, you need to have diagnostic uh, the diagnostic settings set to basic. You can't turn it off or it won't service the device properly, which is something to note, especially if you are an organization that are uh, reluctant of being there. I of course say to organizations, that be as high as you can because it helps improve the quality of the product. What is challenging is that we have different timings for Windows 10 and Windows 11. So today, if you run Windows 10, anything other than enterprise and education, you have 18 months of support for each Windows 10 version. And it's now released once per year. If you have Enterprise or Education, you add 12 months to that. So in total, 30 months of support for Windows 10. For Windows 11, you get 24 months of support for each new feature upgrade, if you are on anything other than Enterprise and Education. And if you are on Enterprise or Education, you get an additional 12 months. So you have... 18 months for Windows 10 Pro, 30 months for Windows 10 Enterprise, 24 months for Windows 11 Pro, and 36 months for Windows 11 Enterprise. Following so far? Sure. Yeah, makes total sense, right?
0: That's That's not (laughs) the word I was looking for.
1: (laughs) You also have the long-term servicing channel, and I emphasize this. It's not for regular devices. Microsoft states that if your device run Office, you should be on general availability channel. If it's a device that do not run Office, you might consider LTSC on it, but you should not go there. LTSC is for very, very specific purposes where the hardware isn't supposed to change for many, many years, and where you really don't care about the operating system changing over those years either. So essentially
0: the, point of sales
1: yeah devices ATMs, and that kind of stuff uh, yeah. healthcare equipment things like that right iot or ot equipment basically as i see it they are supported for still 5 plus 5 years extended or general support extended support and there are new releases around every 2 to 3 years and in between you get only quality updates i now Want to read from the support statement of LTSC. LTSC releases will support, and now this is a quote LTSC releases will support the currently released processors and chipset at the time of release of the LTSC. As future CPU generations are released, support will be created through future LTSC releases that customers can deploy for those systems. So, if you deploy LTSC today, you are not allowed to deploy the same version of LTSC on any chipsets that were released After the release date of that LTSC release.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not allowed. You're not guaranteed for it to work.
1: Yeah, that as well. But I would say it's probably more a support statement than that it's technically blocked. We have seen that for Windows 10. But from a support point of view, you will be running an unsupported configuration and you don't want to do that for this kind of equipment.
0: It, it kind of defeats the the purpose of the yeah. long-term servicing branch, right?
1: Exactly. So as an example, you have an ATM. You deploy LTSC, the latest version of LTSC, on that, on the latest available hardware. That hardware breaks. You now need to find a hardware from that era, so to say, and redeploy the same version of the LTSC or use a newer version on a newer hardware. So do not deploy this to your users' devices, please, if you don't hate them. And if you still feel that this is challenging, call someone, call me, and I will be happy to tell your manager or you how to make this work, I promise. How to make these upgrades? Well, we still have Microsoft Intune and WoofBee, Windows Update for Business that you can deploy with GPOs as well. That's what I prefer. Do note again with LTSC, Intune supports um, LTSC versions 2019 and later. If you are on an earlier version, You can enroll them into Intune, but update rings aren't supported. So we can use Intune or WoofBee, and that's my preferred choice. That's where you can use AutoPatch and a lot of other fantastic features and some upcoming features that will be absolutely fantastic that I can't talk about now, but stay tuned. We also have Config Manager, which I'm happy to call Config Manager again. We have Azure Update Management for your servers, and we have the regular W. WSUS and Windows Update. If you're still using WSUS to manage upgrades, I don't know where you have been for the last five years. Please let me or the product team know why you prefer WSUS over any of the other tools available. But please, get current, stay current. End of message. Questions?
0: None. Actually, so, um, well, yeah, maybe. This is kind of an aside, and it has nothing to do with the long-term services branch. Uh, Winget. Ooh, that's an interesting
1: discussion. I've
0: I've played around, I should say, with with Winget when I set up my new laptop, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: it has a crap ton of quirks, but Mm -hmm. I like the idea. So uh, something maybe for the future... Segment like this, yeah. I would love to hear your opinions on where does Winget and stuff like chocolatey figure into this? Because I'm thinking that this is not something that takes away from the servicing stuff; more like it enhances it. And how, how mm-hmm. do you how do you find a way to fit it in without mm-hmm. the whole thing breaking on you? And I can see your smile, so it will probably be an interesting that, that's and opinionated a great segment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's something I have. Opinions.
0: Oh, we know that. That's yeah, why rarely you're Rarely
1: backed up with facts. But uh, I have opinions. You
0: heard it here first.
1: We're running out of time. We were almost on time for a while. Yeah,
0: but that kind of went away. Yeah. As usual.
1: But we have some some fun fun things to do before end of year.
0: No, Simon, you do.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, so, I'm going to Orlando, as previously stated, to Tech Mentor to speak together with my colleague, Niklas Alberg, on uh, removing common cloud only blockers. So, me. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. How to avoid you. And uh, so far, it's going well. I haven't met you in, in weeks, months. Mm. Uh, that will be great fun. Niklas will also do a session on Graph for um, Azure. Uh, or Windows 365, but it will be applicable to everything in within Microsoft 365 as well.
0: Exciting! Graph is yep.
1: exciting. So November 13th to 18th in Orlando.
0: 13th Florida. to what? 18th. Yeah, that's what what you said. But okay. 18th. <laughs> <Eighth-th>. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. That I I don't want November to be that long. I can tell you. Uh, I'm also going to the Citrix User Group in Sweden, uh, delivering my. Uh, Art of Cybersecurity, uh, according to Citrix and Microsoft 365. Uh, a hugely fun session uh, based on the art of war. So that's a, a session I planned for a very long time, and now it's it's starting to be picked up by various conferences, starting with South Coast Summit last year. I will then do a session together with my mentee uh, in the Pathfinders Power Platform community where I will be talking about how to stand out from the crowd by telling your story in a new way. So if you're into any kind of power platform or just presentation skills, tune in on November 26th uh, to get all your questions answered. Any penguins? Of course. Uh, At the Citrix User Group in Norway, we actually were two people with penguins. That was fun. Uh, And then my, at this point... Community-wise, last speaking engagements for the year, I have a couple of others at work, uh, would be the Glasgow Azure User Group, which I can't wait to get back to. To all of my friends uh, in Scotland, I can't wait to be back and speak about Windows Update Management, what's happened since last. Uh, so very happy to uh, have been invited back again, and I can't wait to visit Scotland again for the first time since before the pandemic. Oh, it's, it's a been that long. Yeah, it's a fantastic community. And also where I started to speak as a community speaker outside of Sweden. So it, it holds a very dear place in my heart.
0: Cool. So speaking about user groups, we are rebooting the Swedish Power BI user group and uh, taking a completely new uh, grasp mm-hmm. of that, that entire uh, organization. So today... Technically, because this episode will air on Thursday. So, ter- Thursday the 10th, um, we're going to be uh, running our, our event in Stockholm. So, if you hear this and you're not already signed up, <laughs> drop your crap and come running because we're going to have pizzas. Nice. Yes. And on that, we are, as always, out of time. And mm-hmm. we're, I think we're done. We'll see you all in two weeks. And until then, have a great time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Tech is a biweekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needeventech.com.